Welcome to Denim Wrapped Nightmares, Tipsy Exchange Podcast, where we explore the Supernatural series episode by episode. Over drinks, we'll discuss the lore, the gore, and what we adore about the Winchesters and their adventures. I'm Burley, and I'm a new fan of the series. I'm LA, and I'm here along for the ride. Now let's get We are officially halfway through the first season. I can't believe it. It's going so fast. (laughs) I followed a bunch of Supernatural fandom accounts on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I've been reading posts and looking at posts. And the new show, The Winchesters, is amazing, by the way. So we should apparently watch that when we finish this. Okay. Just based off of what I'm seeing. And I've seen some other things that are potentially spoilers that I don't really understand just okay. yet. <laughs> I've oh. seen some things that are spoilers that I do understand because, no. well, you know that I like actually started paying attention whenever I watched it the first time about well, yeah. halfway through the series. <laughs> so toward the end part of the series, I do know some things. Okay. So far, our blood splooge count that we started on episode one, yeah. we're not doing so well. I, yeah. There's just the one blood splooge so far from- it's not- the pilot. A super gory show. Not so far, but I know at some point blood splooges do come into being a bigger part of the oh, really? series. Like major I just, ones? Yeah, I just assumed it was the entire series, oh, but I okay. guess it's not going to happen until later on. Okay. So something to look forward to. We've got something to look forward to. <laughs> Another thing I learned on Twitter is that there are Jared or Sam girls. We're oh, all about, divided. yeah, oh. all about Jared Padalecki or Sam. And then there are Dean and Jensen girls who are all about, yeah, and they're divided oh. and they'll be mean to each other. Really? I, mean, I didn't I, like I that. Like right? I, I actually There's think not I, that team. That, that's all, that'll be our team. I okay. like them both. Yeah. I don't want to pick one or the other. I really like them both. And there are uh, Wincest shippers out there. Oh, oh no. Yes. No, no, no. Where Sam and Dean... Doing Targaryen style? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that was something new that I was just like, oh. Wow, okay. So, yeah. So I, I'm not a shipper, but I do like both Sam and Dean, as well as both Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki. Me too. There is an official Supernatural rewatch show called Supernatural Then and Now, hosted by a couple of guys who will be on the show later. And I tried to listen to that. First episode was really cool. Jared and Jensen were talking about filming the pilot. They used real fire when they filmed that. So that was interesting. And then they started talking about the lore. And I was like, oh, no, that's what we do. (laughs) And then I started trying to listen to the second episode. And they made the same joke. About the Wendigo ate my baby. Stop it. That's my thing. I know. So I stopped because I don't want to know. Oh my God. That's <laughs> my aunt and I always joke and talk about that. A dingo stole my baby. Right. But they're the same age as us. So I guess it's oh. bound to happen that they're going to make some of the same jokes. Yeah. yeah. But I don't. Oh, that's such a bummer. I don't want to know about it though. So I stopped listening to the show. It was really good though. I will say that. Yeah. So. If you're looking for another Supernatural show to listen to, Supernatural Then and Now, I recommend it based off of the one and a half episodes I heard, but 
I don't want to listen to any more because <laughs> I don't want to be influenced by them bringing something up and me being like, oh, yeah, but they're way far ahead of us. Oh, yeah. So that's not that big of a deal. I just I still don't want to know. <laughs> and then the other thing I've learned is that there are a lot of queer fans in oh, really? the Supernatural fandom. Okay. We hope this is a safe space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, love is love here. Just be you. Yes. We're just a couple of old boy crazy millennial idiots. Mm -hmm. We are not hateful. Mm -mm. We we are loving, loving old brides. (laughs) (laughs) And we never intend to offend anybody. No, 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 no. So if one of us says something ignorant, please let us know. Yeah, I was going to say, I know I can be ignorant at times. Yes. Please gently correct me or... You know, feel free to enlighten me in mm-hmm. a kind way. Kind way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do want to know behind the scenes stuff. So we, we would like the fandom to let us know that stuff too. Yeah. Because I thought I would be able to listen to that other podcast and get some cool stuff. But like, no, I can't. I yeah, just can't. No, they no. made the same dingo joke. And so I just. I'm bummed about that. <laughs> but yeah, we're halfway through the first season. It's crazy. So let's touch base really quickly on where we were last week with the episode of Scarecrow. Yes. Before we get into this week's episode, Faith. Um, so that episode, we, as we mentioned, we liked that it kind of picked up right after the last episode where there has been some tensions between the boys, the brothers. Basically, they hear from dad. Dad says, trust me. Uh, don't come find me, but here's this job I'm sending you on. And then they find out these couples have been missing in this Indiana town. Well, couples from all over, but they end up missing after they've been in this one particular town. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being that the whole town is in on it. And they're basically sacrificing these got these couples that pass through to this pagan god that is in the form of a scarecrow in this apple orchard kind of on the outskirts of town. Sam meets up with this other hitchhiker girl and they bond over their kind of same similar stories of family and trying to do it their own way instead of doing it the family way. And Sam ends up saving the day with Dean, helping him uh, to take down the scarecrow and basically burn down the tree that was connected to the scarecrow to get rid of him. And then at the end, we learned that the hitchhiker that Sam was with, Meg, has got some she's something evil shit going on. Yeah, we don't know she, what yet. Yeah, she sliced a guy's throat to get the blood and then made a call swir- swirling her finger in the blood. She made a collect call. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and she said that she didn't know why she had to let Sam go. She th- said she could have taken both of them on. And then she l- listened to something we couldn't hear. And she was like, yes, father. Yes. Yeah. So and who's, that was it. who's so, Meg's daddy? Yeah. That's the question. It's a very quick recap. Yes. Well, this week we watched the episode called Faith. Yes. And it wasn't one of my favorites so far. Yeah. It was an, it was a good episode, I guess. But one of the concepts in it I kind of like as far as the lore goes. Yeah. It. But other than that, meh. Yeah. It's just all right. Yeah. And in the beginning, I was super confused. So when the episode first starts out. Oh my out, God, yeah. Yeah, the episode first starts out. We see Dean and Sam pull up to a house and they are going to their trunk and talking about getting these tasers, 100,000 volts. And they're going in after what was apparently called a rawhide, which is a type of monster that dwells in basements 
and like eats children or something. Mm -hmm. They aren't telling us any of this, though. Yeah. I only know this from what I looked up. (laughs) So we know they need 100,000 volts for something. So they're getting that out of the trunk. They go into the house. They immediately go down into the basement, open this cabinet, and there's two adorable little children in there. And they ask, is it still here? And the kids are like, yes, yes. They get the kids out of the cabinet. And as always, Dean hands them off to Sam and says, Sam, you get them out of here. He's got to be like his daddy. (laughs) So Sam goes upstairs. He has the kids going in front of him. And something reaches between the steps, grabs Sam's ankle. Sam busts his ass down the stairs pretty hard. Yeah. Dean runs around behind the stairs, shoots his taser. That's one shot that they told us that when they were getting it out of the trunk, one Mm -hmm. shot and doesn't get the monster. So Sam gives him his taser and continues to get the kids out of the house. Then Dean is battling the monster. There's a flood flooding or something going on in this basement because all of a sudden there's all this water that Dean is standing in. And the monster comes toward him and he gets it with the taser. But by the time he hits the monster, it too is standing in the water. And Dean is fucked. He is also getting shocked with 100,000 volts at this point. He should have worn rubber shoes, rubber boots. Or just got the fuck out of the water. Right? Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. So Sam comes running downstairs, finds Dean unconscious, gets him to a hospital At the hospital, the doctor basically tells Sam that whatever happened triggered a massive heart attack. There's irreparable damage and that Dean has like two weeks to live. Maybe a month. I think he said. Which is great. He's so young. And for, I mean, what does that do to like people like when cops tase people? I guess they're probably not in water. And it's probably, well, 100,000 volts. I I doubt it's that. They specifically said that. Okay. I mean, I've been... I've gotten a, a jolt here and there. <laughs> so I, I can't imagine it's 100,000 volts, though. Like, they specifically said yeah. that. So I think that that's probably not normal. Right. Yeah. Well, and water really didn't have much to do with it. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> so Sam is like, we are going to get you better. We are going to figure it out. And mm. Dean is basically just accepting that he's done for. He's talking to Sam about taking the car, take care of it. You know, this is the gig. I'm done. And it's just like, Dean, you're terrified to get on a plane. You were terrified to go back to your family home. But in the face of, hey, you're going to die in a couple of weeks, you're just chill. It's going to happen. Yeah. Just accepts it. It's just fine. Whatever. Good. He's a complicated guy. He is. That Dean Winchester. (laughs) Well, Sam refuses to accept this. He doesn't give a shit that Dean is acting like he's chill. Dean is making jokes. Sam's like, oh, yeah, you laugh in the face of death. Like, I'm not fucking buying it. And he starts getting on the horn and contacting people that their dad knows, trying to find what's our next option here. Dean checks himself out of the hotel, or not out of the hotel, out of the hospital and comes to the hotel and it's been, I think they said three days. It's been a, it's been a, a few days, mm-hmm. a couple of days, two or three days. So Sam has managed to find somebody who had a lead on a faith healer. Dean looks like shit, by the way. I'd still hit it. Well, yeah, but I mean, he still looks, you know, he's still him, but he, he's still fine as hell. Sick version of him. <laughs> he had some bags under his eyes. Boo hoo! <laughs> I'd still hit it. <laughs> Real hot. Again, Sam found out about this faith healer and it's in Nebraska. 
Dane is, you know, being a skeptic. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Sam's, no, we're going. Yeah. So Sam gets Dean in the Impala and they go to Nebraska. And Sam is so cute whenever they get to the Faith Healer place. Like, he wants to run around the car and go open the door for <laughs> Dean and wants to help Dean walk. And Dean's just like, get off of me. And it's just so cute watching Sam try to take care of his big brother. Yeah. They get into the Faith Healer tent after they pass some people who are true believers. And there's this one guy out there who's a skeptic. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of cops out there who are kind of trying to tell the skeptic, like, get out of here. But they aren't really making him leave. So they're walking past this. They get into the tent. Dean notices that there's a security camera in there. And he's like, oh, yeah. Like, really, really good here. They're really trustworthy people here. They've got security cameras in their tent. And he tries to take a seat at the back. And Sam's like, no, no, no. front row, baby. Yeah, we're not sitting back here. We're going to the front. So Sam drags Dean up to the front and they go and sit down immediately behind Layla, who is a young blonde that they met outside the tent. And she's played by Julie Benz. Yes, From Angel and Dexter. I forgot about Angel. What else was she in? She's been in some other stuff. She's been in a lot of stuff. There was some other show she was in with another blonde too when they were younger. I want to say I can't remember. She's been a bunch of a bunch of TV stuff. Yeah, for the most part, I want to say Dean basically he makes I don't remember exactly what he said and I didn't write it down, but he says something along the lines of like he he'd hit that. So he oh. thinks Layla's pretty. He likes he likes, he likes Layla. He likes the Julie Benz. Yes, and Layla. so they sit behind her. The preacher is starting his sermon or the faith healer, whatever you want to call him. His name's Roy LaGrange, Mm -hmm. which is a great name. I'm pretty sure LaGrange, isn't that his easy top song? You said that when we were watching it. I didn't know. Hang on. Let me Google it. LaGrange with an L-A. Roy was LaGrange with an L-E. Oh, I thought his was L-A too. LaGrange. Which, speaking of ZZ Top LaGrange, I've still been very happy with the music. I know, as we were talking about it, I was like, what is their budget for the songs in this season or in, in the show? Yeah. Because like you said, it was like low budget, but the, I can't imagine the songs that are, they're using are cheap. I would There's know. There's some good songs. Yeah. I mean, not that I know anything about any of that, but. Some good music, though. Yeah. Anyway, so Roy is starting his sermon, what have you, and he is telling everybody that. The Lord helps me see into people's hearts. Yes, because he he is blind. Yes. Yeah. Which we find out why later. Yeah, but. we find out why in a little bit. But yeah. that is that is important to know that he is blind. Yes. After he says that, Dean leans over to Sam and says, yeah, and people's wallets or something along those lines. <laughs> and their money, yeah. Something, yeah. yeah. And the preacher hears him. Mm-hmm. Calls him out. Yes. He's like, what was that? And Dean's just like, oh, sorry. Just kidding. And he made a joke about, just be careful what you say in front of people. Blind people. Blind people who might have really sharp hearing. They've got the sharp. Yeah, their other senses are heightened. Yeah. Duh, Dean. (laughs) Well, anyway, from this little interaction, Roy ends up deciding Dean is who he's going to heal today. So he calls Dean up to the front. And at first, Dean is trying to tell him, pick somebody else. I'm not a believer. Pick someone else. And Sam is like, fuck you. No, you're going. (laughs) Get up there. Dean goes up to the front and Roy is praying and he tells everybody under the tent to pray with him. And he puts his hands on Dean 
and you can see Dean's knees start getting weak and he falls down and he kind of passes out for a second. Yeah. And Sam goes running up to the stage to check on his brother. And when Dean comes to, he sees Roy standing there and there's just, it happens really quickly that there's something, there's another man standing behind Roy. Yeah. He's like in all black, but his face is kind of like white blur. Yeah. White blur. Or he was like, he looked like a prune. He looked like that one bad guy from Dick Tracy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that, yeah. Yeah, he had, like, wrinkles, yes. like a Sharpay yeah. or something. Yeah. and he, But he did have on a nice black suit. Mm-hmm. But the guy, like, fades away into, into smoke. He's fuzzy. Yeah. yeah. Dean doesn't get, like, a very good look at him, but he got enough of a look that he knew something was Could there. Could recognize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they go back to the hospital, and the doctor confirms Dean is healed. So whatever Roy did, it fucking worked. But Dean just does not feel right about it. You can tell he's uncomfortable. He does not like what happened. So he decides he's going to go back and talk to LaGrange, as well as his wife, Sue Ann. That's when they tell the story about how LaGrange had cancer. And after praying and falling into a coma and all this drama, he woke up and was suddenly healed and that if he hadn't gone blind from the cancer, you never would have known that anything had ever happened. Now, while Dean is talking to LaGrange and his wife, Sam goes and checks out the death of a man that was mysteriously happened at the same time they were at LaGrange's tent. And it was this swimmer who just basically dropped dead of a heart attack. And it turns out it happened at the exact same time Dean was healed because the clock stopped in the pool. When leaving LaGrange's house after talking to him and his wife, Dean runs into Layla and her mom a bit. And her mother is dramatic. (laughs) She is very upset that Dean was chosen over her daughter whenever he just showed up on his first day and got chosen. Her and Layla have apparently been showing up for months every single day to every single service And it turns out that Layla has a brain tumor that's inoperable and she's been given six months to live. Layla is pretty much resolved and just chill about the whole thing. But her mom is, again, being very dramatic. She like starts to give this monologue where she steps off to the side. And it's like, who are you talking to? There's literally nobody in front of her. And Layla puts her hand on her shoulder and she's like, chill the fuck out, mom. Now we're in the tent And LaGrange is healing another person. And we actually get to see this time what's happening as he's healing this one person who has some sort of respiratory issue. Like they have, what's it called? Yeah, he had a tank on with the the tubes in his nose and everything. Yeah, so I'm guessing emphysema or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And while they're, they're kind of cutting back and forth between these two scenes, what's going on in the tent and this adorable young woman out for a jog. And she's got her little headphones in and she's jogging and she spots the guy that Dean had seen kind of in the woods. And she's kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Takes off her earbuds, is trying to be aware, trying to get away, trying to run. And then suddenly he's in front of her. And this was pretty cool. I like what they did with the eyes, the effect of on the eyes. Yeah. When the, where do you put it? Put it like on the side of their head, I feel like. Yeah. He, yeah. he put his hands on kind of like the doctor did in the asylum oh, yeah. episode. Just, he was one handed. Oh, it. was he? He was yeah. put a put a hand on her face. 
And her eyes, they just kind of like filmed over mm-hmm. with kind of this white or green. And her skin got very pale. Like basically the life was getting drained out of her from this person. Yeah. And as that's happening, LaGrange is healing the guy with the oxygen tank. Sam looks through newspaper clippings. We're back at the newspapers looking at the people who were healed versus people who died on the days they were healed. And he makes the connection that whoever died would die of whatever afflicted the healed person. So the day that Dean was healed, that swimmer died from a heart attack. The day that this old guy was healed, that jogger died from upper respiratory issues. And so they kind of make the connection that it's trading life for a life and they're taking the healthy person and giving their health to the sick person or something like that. Dean puts two and two together. The only thing that can give and take life like that is a reaper. Well, don't they clear up that it's a reaper, not like the one that we all yes. know of, right? Yeah. One of them says something about, oh, it's the like the grim, grim reaper. And they're like, no, it's a reaper. So, yeah, they do say that. And Dean just kind of figures out you must only be able to see it when it's coming for you because I, I saw it and then it was gone. And Sam remembers that there was a unique cross on the table at the in, in the faith healer tent that just stood out to him. And it was the same symbol that was on the death tarot card that they happened to have. So they kind of put two and two together. Okay, they're somehow using this. At first, Dean says, well, this person's killing people. That's a monster. So as far as I'm concerned, we go take them out. And Sam says, no, we're not going to go and kill a human. We're going to figure out how they're controlling the Reaper and break the spell. And they're thinking it's LaGrange who must be doing this, that he must be tied in it. So they say, okay, let's go back. There's a black altar. They have they have to have a black altar in order to control the Reaper. Sam is like, I'm going to break and enter into their home, find the altar, fuck it up. Dean is like, okay, I'm going to go and figure out a way to stall and try to keep them from healing somebody else so that we don't have somebody else die. They go back to the site and the tent is right next to LaGrange's home. Sam breaks and enters into the home. He goes into this office and there are these bookshelves that are dusty as fuck. (laughs) I was like, that is excessive dust. It looked like sawdust. Yeah, it was thick. It was, yeah, it was a lot. And there's one book on the shelf that there's no dust. So Sam figures out, well, this one has been taken out way more recently than the rest. Takes the book out, flips through it. And then he finds a smaller book behind, so he tosses the other book on the floor. <laughs> I remember when we were watching it, and you were like, did he just toss that on the floor? And I was like, no, surely not. But then sure enough, you hear the thud. thud. <laughs> and there's this tiny book that he takes out, and he's flipping through it. And obviously, this is a spell book. There, You can see that this is what is being used. The symbol, the same cross symbol is in there and everything. And there's all these newspaper clippings, and they are for the people who died that they figured out died at the same time as the people who were healed. But these new paper clippings are different because this is talking about the people, like their lives. One of them was gay. One of them was, it said, I saw the word abortion clinic. I didn't yes. see exactly yeah. what. So maybe they were one of, like an escort at an abortion clinic or anything. So mm-hmm. LBGTQ and pro-choice. And yeah. oh, so terrible. Well, and the last one he sees is the... It says 
it shows the picture of the guy and it says this church is a cult and it's the guy from the very beginning that was in the the protester. Lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the protester we saw. So Dean in the meantime is in the tent and Layla gets picked and he oh, like is conflicted for a second. You can tell he is conflicted for just a second, but then he decides no, you know, my job is I have to save this or I have to stall. I have to stop this. So it cuts to Sam in the parking lot now, and he sees the protester screaming and running from something. Obviously, he can't see the Reaper because it's not coming for him, Mm -hmm. but the protester can see the Reaper, and he is terrified. So Sam is trying to help the protester, and Dean manages to distract everybody by yelling fire (laughs) and getting everyone to leave the tent. And stopping Layla's healing. Yes, so Layla does not get healed, and you can tell Dean feels like a real piece of shit because of it. Everybody's running out of the tent, except for Sue Ann. Turns out it wasn't LaGrange. It was the wife all along. (gasps) She's off to the side, like, saying some sort of chant, and Dean goes over and is like, what are you doing? And I thought this was really funny. She, like, had her necklace facing the wrong way, turns the necklace around, and then goes, oh, yeah. and sticks the necklace in her shirt. Like, I didn't want you to see that. <laughs> and it's like, why did you turn the necklace around? Yeah, it was really awkward. It was like, she could have just left it where it was, where he didn't see. Yeah, why was that But important? then she was like, nope, let's show you and Let, then hide it. Let's make sure you see that it is the symbol <laughs> And then I'll hide it. And then she goes, officer, help. And the two douchebag officers from the sheriff's office come running over. Yeah. Where were they? They just pop out from behind the corner. Like they were just suddenly there. And they tell Dean, get out of here. And like toss him off. But they did save the protester guy. And Sue Ann follows them outside. It's now Sam and Dean. And she's basically like, I'm not going to press charges. You're going to get what's coming. The Lord will make sure you get what's coming to you. She says something along those lines. Dean tries to explain to Layla that she should not try to get healed, that there's something going on. He can't fully explain it, but just don't do it. And she's basically like, fuck you. I'm going to try and get healed, which I mean, you can't blame her. Right. I I do the same thing. I'm I'm team Layla all the way. I would totally be doing it the same way. So she says, I'm getting a private session later tonight. And it's pretty clear LaGrange has no idea what's going on. He honestly thinks he's healing people, which is just so sad. So sad. And I feel that was the saddest thing about it is like he truly thought he had this gift and his wife was just manipulating him the whole time. Yeah. Especially the fact that he's blind and couldn't see. It's really sad. Yeah. So Sam has that little book that he took from the office. And that's when they figure out, okay, there's a black altar. She's got something with human blood and all that. And that's how she's controlling him. So that's when they decide, okay, we got to go destroy this black altar. Got to find it first. So they go back to the revival thing uh, yet again. And yet again, Sam is like, I'm breaking and entering. And Dean goes to the tent. Sam finds a little basement thing. No, little... no, storm shelter. Is that what it was? Remember in the last <laughs> episode, it was the same thing. And we were like, we see those as like a storm Door- shelter. Storm shelter. Yeah. But it goes down to the basement. He goes in there and sure enough, there's an altar. And who is the target next? It's Dean. There's a picture of Dean from the security camera that was at the beginning of the episode. And it's got like a red X on it with blood and candles and all this. And Sam says, fuck this altar and dumps it over. And then the preacher's wife, Sue Ann, comes in and is just like, Sorry, Sammy. 
and locks him in the basement and just walks off and leaves him there. But Sam, he's going to get out. Of course. Of course he's going to get out. He's Sam Winchester. So we see him busting out windows and doing stuff to get out of there. Did did it ever show how he got out? No, it showed him bust out those windows and you, and you going, he's not going to fit through those teeny tiny windows, but they <laughs> yeah. cut away. Okay. So we didn't get to see him squeeze Just through. <laughs> okay. So the LaGrange is healing Layla and Dean is out in the parking lot and kind of watching the tent thing and the Reaper finds him. And the Reaper's laying his hand on Dean and the same thing's happening where we're seeing the film come over his eyes and he's going pale and all of that. Sam luckily breaks out, finds Sue Ann, takes that necklace that she was so careful to show earlier, <laughs> rips it off her neck, throws it on the ground and it breaks. And that's where the blood and all that other stuff yeah. was that she needed for the spell. I thought that was weird that it was like blood inside and everything. Yeah. Well, they, they specifically said she needed somebody's blood and some other stuff in blood order to do spell. the spell. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, that was pretty cool. And then the Reaper is obviously very happy. He stops doing what he's doing to Dean. And he's just like, fuck yeah, I'm free. Mm-hmm. And so he goes and he finds Sui and he gives her a stroke and kills her. Because, you know, she's been using him as a weapon for yeah. who knows how long. But unfortunately, that means Layla did not get healed. Which I was kind of bummed about. I was like, well, hey, he took, what's Sui and like, let's, let's heal that's what I was hoping yeah. for is that he just used Sue Ann instead of Dean yeah, because she couldn't control him anymore. But it makes sense that he just wanted to be done. Right. But then the reason we know this is because at the end it shows Sam and Dean in their motel, hotel, holiday and packing up and Layla comes to visit and she says that Sam called her and said that Dean wanted to say goodbye as the, and Sam makes like the cheesiest oh like God. face in the, in the background. Them, yes. I was like. I made you rewind. I was like, did you see that face? Like, he was like, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, he was so yeah, proud bro. of himself. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm going to go get a soda. So Layla and Dean could say goodbye. And so they find out Layla's not healed, but you know, she's pretty much accepted what's going on with her. She doesn't seem to be angry or sad or anything, but you can tell Dean still just doesn't feel right about how everything went down. And he even asked Sam if they did the right thing whenever Sam gets back to the room. But before Layla leaves, Dean tells her that he's not the praying type, but that he's going to pray for her. That was so sweet. Yeah, it was. And that's basically what happened in Faith. Yeah. So no gore in this. No. I I liked it, though, because it's such a play on so many things we've seen in movies with the old day, like healers and the tent and all that. Yes. It it was cool. I liked it. And then pulling in the Reaper. I I liked it. It wasn't it wasn't a too much of a meh. Yeah, it was it was a good episode. It's not it's not like bugs where I'd be like, don't watch it at all. (laughs) I don't ever want to talk about that. Like you could just skip that episode. Like I wouldn't say it does nothing. Yeah. Nothing. For I the wouldn't show. say skip this one, but it's definitely not in like my top five as far as what we've yeah, watched so yeah. far. I agree. I agree. So, but it was it was okay. Yeah. Now, what about the lore? Well, the lore, of course, we got to talk about that Reaper. Okay. Well, as you're watching it, you end up hearing the song "Fear the Reaper." Blue Oyster Cult, right? Yes, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as we know in the in the show, it's the reaper, a reaper, not the reaper that right. comes after them. Which I I 
was like, oh, I only thought there was the one. So who knew? Did you know? Is that like actual lore or is that just supernatural lore? Well, I was just going to go over the Grim Reaper that we know of. Oh, I feel okay, like that most right. people know. So. Okay, yeah. Cause but I mean, I don't think there's, I think that's just supernatural lore is that there's multiple Reapers. Oh, okay, okay. We probably should have looked into that. I should have. <laughs> As we know, so the Reaper in that show, he was, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, like his makeup and everything was so good. Yeah. And it was really just his face because he was in the full body, like black suit. But then he had this like crazy white wrinkled face that looked super creepy. Prune face. Prune face. Prune yes. face is the name of the guy from Dick Tracy. That's yeah. He was like a re- a prune faced reaper. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, as we all know, they say that you know the only thing in life that's certain is death and taxes. You know. <laughs> uh, we fill out the forms, codes. We circle April fifteenth on our calendars. We have to send in all our taxes. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> So we all know about taxes, but we all don't know about death, necessarily. We know it's coming. Right. We know everybody's going to have it. Yeah. But, you know, we don't know until you meet him or her. Him. Or them. Them. Yeah. According to biologists, death is the total cessation of life processes that eventually occurs in all living things. Unfortunately, that definition doesn't paint a vivid picture it doesn't tell us what it's like to die, what it's like to feel die, to die, what we'll see, what we'll do, where, where are we going to go, all that. Which, don't get excited because we don't know either. Right? <laughs> I am just going by an article. <laughs> what article is it? Um, it is from How Stuff Works. Okay. This is what I think popular culture and everything, I don't even know. We see it as the Grim Reaper coming for us. Yeah. And he it's usually a male figure, male looking figure that is cloaked in black. He has this scythe. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Um, And he is the personification of death. Like any. I thought it was just a skeleton. I don't associate that with man or woman. But yeah, I guess well, it's I've normally it. referred to as he. Yeah, well, and I've seen it. Well, I say I've seen it, but like in movie interpretations of what it is, it seems like it's always male. Yeah. Except for Sandman. True. Neil Gaiman. That Neil Gaiman. We all know who he is when we see him. He comes for every person, hourglass in hand, when that last, which when I was thinking about it, I usually just think the, like you said, skeleton, black cloak, black and cloak scythe, scythe. scythe. Yeah. But this one said hourglass in hand, and when that last grain of sand falls, that's when he comes for you and he collects your soul with a well-practiced cut of his razor-sharp blade. And it says it may not be pleasant, but it's clear and unmistakable. But I, I again, in lots of the interpretations I've seen, it's not like that. I never it's put like the two. It's like they go with him. They just walk off with him. Yeah. You I know? never put the two and two together that he's going to use the psych Right. On you. It's, I thought it was just a prop. He's just got it with him in case, <laughs> in case anybody comes to stop you trying to die, you know? But ultimately, what we know of the Grim Reaper, his job, his, her, Thay's job is to put a human face on his human face on the concept of death. But why did humans feel compelled to make the Grim Reaper so grim? Why not make him a friendly, helpful guide into the underworld? You know, like, hey guys, come on, you're going to heaven or who knows where. It's a guessing <laughs> game. 
in this article, which I liked, it said, and why, for that matter, does it have to be a guy? Yeah. You know, almost in all cultures and religions, humans were first created as immortal beings who fell from their state of perfection. True. Yeah. For example, there was the fall of Adam and Eve, the classic example, um, which I, it was in the book of Genesis, which, hey, I did not know. I didn't. I don't read the Bible. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> But it's in the book of Genesis. I know where you're going. Shut up. <laughs> God created Adam and Eve to take care of the world. And basically, I didn't, to harvest it, um, harvest the fruit from any tree, that they were just supposed to tend to the earth. But, as we know, they were also supposed to populate earth. But I'm like, okay, so we put them there to harvest and take tend to the earth, but also populate it. But how are they going to do that without learning from the tree of knowledge that they're supposed to stick it in. I think that they would have figured it out. You think? What was that movie with Brooke Shields where they got abandoned? They figured it out. Oh, yeah, but like, we shouldn't be talking about religion, things, issues, whatever. (laughs) There was the tree of knowledge. God said, you know, tend to the earth. Just don't ever eat or do anything with the tree of knowledge. But of course we know Satan came as a serpent, tricked Eve into eating the fruit. And then, of course, this evil woman came to Adam and made him eat the fruit. Yep. We're just devious. I know. And as their punishment for disobeying God, Adam and Eve experienced both spiritual and physical death. So I think that, I mean, most Christian people know that's kind of where the grim or the reaper, I guess we would say, came from. Because Eve really fucked everything's up, everything up like women do. You know? So the Reapers in the Bible? No, but I mean, it's basically the concept of death. Oh, because us dying. they were like originally everybody was mortal. See, I always thought that we were punished for the original sin because that's what periods were. Nope, nope. Uh, no, you just okay. can't. You just have to die. I we all have to die. Yeah, okay. exactly. Got it. According to this article, anyway. <laughs> I want to focus on the Grim Reaper. And as we said before, I just wanted to say, like, that's where what I know of the origin of death came from anyway. Gotcha. That's why we're not immortal. Right. Fuck you. Bullshit. Come on. (laughs) Which, how many of you, if a vampire came along, would make that choice, you know? I would. That should be a poll. I would, too. Yep. Even though seeing all the movies and, like, what was it? All the lessons that we've learned from these vampire things. Still say yeah. Nope, I'd still say yes. (laughs) In a heartbeat. Anyway, the approach taken by the Greeks, who named death Thanatos, Thanatos, which I was like, Thanos? Thanos? (laughs) (laughs) Thanatos was the twin brother of Hyphnos, H-Y-P-N-O-S, Hyphnos? Sure. He was the god of sleep, which then this started getting me into, like, Sandman territory. Yeah. He was the god of sleep, and both were, were portrayed as young, pleasant men. Thantanos appears with wings and extinguished fire. His job was to accompany the departed to Hades, which was the Greek underworld. And Thanatos would deliver the souls to Sharon, the ferryman of, on the river Styx. And in this version, death isn't ugly and frightening, but attractive and helpful. Why didn't we just keep it that way? Right? You know? Why has it got to be so scary? It's scary enough that you don't know where you're going. Yeah. But there were feminine versions of death that also occurred in Norse mythology. Oh, there we go. The Valkyries. Aw. Yeah, which I didn't, I knew 
the Valkyries were a, a group of women, like warriors, but I didn't know this, but they're beautiful young women who served as both Odin's messengers and escorts to the souls of warriors killed in battle, which their name means choosers of the slain. But they choosers? Would, choosers. Okay. Yeah, of the slain. Because during battle, they would ride upon the, their winged horses and survey the field and select brave warriors to die. And then oh. they would transport their souls to Valhalla, which is Odin's hall. Right. Which I did not know. Because dying in battle was like an honor, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. And, but this was interesting. Once in the afterlife, the brave souls were enlisted to fight in the Battle of Ragnarok, the apocalyptic conflict signaling the end of the world, which I'm like, they're at rest. Yeah. Don't pull them into battle. <laughs> I mean, they are good to go. So that's just like some history and like mythology of where it came from. But I think in our modern day, it more came from the Middle Ages and the middle, medieval era plague. Yeah. Like I, the Black Death. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. During the 14th century, at least 25 million people died in the initial outbreak of the plague and millions more continued to die in the outbreaks that flared for centuries. So I think in this era is where the skeleton came in and the black cloak and all that. Which Be- makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Because that, that was scary. The right. black, I would imagine people were really scared mm-hmm. and that that's probably why it started to become more of a kind of thing coming to get you. Right. Uh, at first... In artwork, anyway, it would appear as a skeleton, and th- they would be holding a dart, crossbow, or some other kind of weapon. But eventually, it was replaced with the scythe, which I didn't know was a mowing tool. Yeah, they use that to cut through long grass. It's and almost stuff. like a machete on a stick. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But a lot of paintings that after this all happened showed death swinging. I shouldn't. Why am I laughing? What's wrong with me? <laughs> Show death um, swinging the scythe through a crowd of people, mowing down souls as if they were grain. Well, I mean, 25 million people. I mean, true. I understand true, true. why this was happening. That's true. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, or standing beside a one young woman at her death. And there was also the notion that death could interact with the living and tempt them to the grave, which is hence the dance of the death or dance macabre, macabre. Macabre, macabre. I never heard of macabre. Um, where skeletons are shown dancing and cavorting with people from all walks of life. Hmm. So that was where the artwork and everything came from. But obviously we know skulls and skeletons came from the plague because, I mean, people are just like kind of left to rot and ended up skeletons. The black cloak was associated with obviously death and, death and mourning. People were black to funerals. You know, they're transported in dark purses. And, I mean, black is usually associated with evil forces, you know. So the scythe, uh, in earlier renderings, the re- like I, I said, it's usually an arrow or a dart. Or, and this says spears or crossbows, but the scythe became the, the, the main instrument that stays with us today. I guess like you were saying, it's like we used it to harvest our crops and he used it to harvest souls. Yeah, so... And then the hourglass, like I said, I don't really correlate with it. Makes sense, Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, the hourglass has two bulbs containing sand. It takes an hour to pour from the upper bulb, which 
you know, basically gives somebody the last hour of their time. And then once it's up, he moves that scythe and you're gone. As we were saying, we we thought it was weird because they say the Reaper in the show, just a Reaper. But we only I don't know about you, but for me, for me anyway, before the show, I was like, I only knew the Grim Grim Reaper. Yeah, like the Big Daddy. Right. So apparently from the Book of Revelation, there are the four horsemen that appear to usher calamity signaling the end of the world. And it's pestilence, war, famine, and death. So of the four, death is the one that's explicitly named. He rides a pale horse, which I thought was weird because you would think it was black. Well, so this article actually says he rides a pale horse, which is often interpreted as green. Pale green, which is the color of disease and decay, which is what was going on in the plague. Um, but death, shown as the Reaper himself, is, as we've said, the black cloak, a grinning skull, which... Creepy. I, yeah, super creepy. Uh, the seeth held ready and the grisly work ahead. And, you know, that's what we know of the Grim Reaper. There's a lot more to it with as far as, like, theories and different religions and interpretations, but... I just kind of touched on what I guess I know of in popular culture or whatever. Well, close it out. Mm. I've got a quote from Dean earlier in the episode that gave me a little chuckle. He said, that fabric softener teddy bear? Oh, I'm going to hunt that little bitch down. Ah. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Denim Wrapped Nightmares. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram, leave a review, and let us know how we can get involved in the fandom. This was fun. Jerk. It always is, bitch. <laughs>